You hadn't read the Divine Comedy? No, I went to school in New Jersey. We didn't do that stuff. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to two maddening hours of horror and fright. gun in my mouth the, 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 the fucking gun was in my throat children of the night what music they make without being killed Hi, I'm Candy, the final girl. I worked homicide for five years. Not here. I understand that. Well, over the next seven days, detective, you'll do me the favor of remembering that. <laughs> Good one. And I'm Sean of the Dead. He's experienced about as much pain and suffering as anyone I've encountered, give or take. And he still has hell to look forward to. And this is The House That Screams. Tonight we are talking about the 1995 film, Seven. We have Dave Gurman. Just because a fucker's got a library card doesn't make him Yoda. Good. <laughs> We've got Crystal. Come on. He's insane. Look, right now he's probably dancing around in his grandma's panties. Yeah. Rubbing himself with peanut butter. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that was good. And we have a special guest, uh, Joelle. If I were to accidentally shave off a nipple, would it be covered by Workman's Com? Oh, <laughs> I almost picked that one, too. That's a really good one. Okay, and Joelle, being the guest, is going to stir us off tonight. Uh, what do you have to say about Seven? Um, well, one thing I noticed that I didn't originally notice at first is there's like this whole Mandela effect in regards to Tracy's head in the box because um, my dad and I were actually talking about this movie last night and he's like, did the original show Tracy's head in the box? And I'm like, what do you mean the original? And then I realized that he's, he meant like, was her head originally shown in the box and they just took it out like later because it was too gruesome. But this whole time, like they've never shown it. And there are so many people out there who swear that they've seen it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, and honestly, the director, David Fincher, he, uh, he actually got into an argument with a woman about it because the woman's like, she said something like, do you regret showing her head in the box? And he's like, I never showed it. And she's like, no, I swear I saw it. Like, no, you didn't because it wasn't in there. And, and yeah, I mean, it would have been pretty gruesome to see. And, but I mean, you can totally tell it's her head in the box based on, of course, uh, John Doe's famous line about, you know, didn't work out so I took a souvenir her pretty head right 
And then of course, Morgan Freeman's reaction. Cause I, I was actually thinking, you know, it's been so long since I've seen this movie and I watched it for the first time in a long time, like Saturday. And I couldn't remember how we knew that it was her head in the box because I could have swore like you probably seen it. Right. But Nope. Didn't see it. It's not in there. It's funny how we remember those things because yeah, it's happened to I me in so that. many movies. Cause we were watching it with the kids. Uh, and I say this, you know, everybody knows that my, my kids are not kids, kids, but we're watching it with the kids because we like to expose them to things like, hey, you're going to sit down and watch Seven. And um, I swore that her hair, because remember that conversation that we had? I swore that you, you saw some of her hair over the side. And you don't. And I'm like, what? I swore I saw it, but. But you don't even know it's something. You don't even know it's anything gory, except there's a little tiny, I think, splatter of blood on one of the flaps. Yes. It's, even it's other like than that, that's blood. It's yeah, all that, in. It's all in Morgan Freeman's reaction. Yeah. Oh, and he's you know phenomenal. And then if you don't put it together, then you know John Doe drops the bomb in just a few seconds. But yeah, it, it's it's yeah. 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 This I whole movie, saw like some of her hair. But this whole movie is is full of that. The movie's a lot more. Uh, if you ask people about it who haven't seen it in a while, they'll remember it's a lot more grisly than it really is. It's all atmosphere. The first two murders you see the gluttony victim, and then the uh, sloth victim. But after that, you really don't see, you get a little glimpse of the lust victim, but it's really, it's just, it's blocked by the one character's head. You see some and blood. And is mainly through pictures. Yeah, it, it, but people remember this movie as being a lot more grisly than it really is. And I think that's a testament to the film. It's creepiness. It's, you know, yeah, it, 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 it's, it, it's, like, it's like we all have PTSD from this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to... Yeah. Uh, jump in really quick um you know because because i was inspired by the whole head in the box thing um which david fincher you know um the last film he had directed previous to this was alien 3 which i'm a big fan of not everybody is i love alien 3 i know most people don't and it's something that rob and i used to go up like oh my god we love alien 3 and everybody is looking at us like but David Fincher had such a bad time. They fired him three times from that movie. And he was, he, he said, he, let me, I have it in quotes. The quote was, I thought I'd rather die of colon cancer than do another movie, end quote. Yeah. Um, so he hadn't read a script in a year and a half. And so this script came to him and New Line Cinema had revised the script because the original script had the head in the box. But, um, and New Line Cinema is like, uh-uh, we're not doing that. But they accidentally sent him the original script. And it, David Fincher's like, I'm in. I love this. I, I have a vision. I'm going to do this fucking movie. And, you know, they get everybody on board. You know, there were a couple of interesting casting choices, which I'm sure somebody will get to, but I'm not going to elucidate upon that right now. But um, Brad Pitt said... I'm not going to do this fucking movie. And he was like the it boy. I mean, he still really is. But at the time, like, he was in everything. You know, I think this is around the time of, like, Interview with a Vampire. He did Legends of the Fall. Legends of the Fall. It was the movie that he did previous to this. And he fucking hated that movie. He 12 Monkeys. 
12 was, monkeys yeah, after yeah, this, yeah. it got better after legends of the fall he's like fuck this shit i don't want to be this dreamy boy or whatever i want to do some other oh. shit and you know later we would get fight club which we've talked about but um but but brad pitt said i'm not doing the film unless you leave the head in the box in and they were kind of like well we can't fuck this up with brad pitt so they they went with it but New Line Cinema did not like it. And it's funny because New Line Cinema is the house that Freddie built. Bob yeah. Shea, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, they were they were a uh, Bob fucking Shea. <laughs> we know what an asshole he is. We've talked about Freddie a lot. but Yeah. Because um, I love Freddie. But it is the house that Freddie built. New Line Cinema was going to go under had Nightmare on Elm Street not succeeded. So... Them going, well, we can't put the head in the box thing, even though they don't show it. I mean, you it's very effective, but it's just like, God, what would the movie be like without it? We really kind of needed that ending to be what it was. But I'll, I'll stop there for now and let somebody else have a chance. I believe uh, Dave or, or Crystal, you guys had your hand up? Oh, I already said what I was saying about the, the, the murders being mostly obscured from view. Yeah, yeah. Um who wants next? Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll go real quick. Um, I for one, talking about the head in the box, I for one am glad that they didn't show it, um, because it's you know it, it leaves it to the imagination. You well, know, we talked about how I'm, things can be scarier in the theater of the mind. Right, right, and I'm all about gore, but it's you know it's one of those things where it's like it feels so much more powerful hearing John Doe say her pretty head and seeing. Morgan Freeman's reaction and the way that he like starts running towards him and he's telling the guys in the chopper, get out of here, get out of here, you know, and it's just, it's, it's just a, a crazy scene. Um, but you know, I wanted to, to talk about like when I first saw this film and it was, so this came out in 95, I was 15. Um, and I didn't see this maybe, maybe a couple of years afterwards, um watched I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, watched it watched it on VHS. I probably when I was watching, you know, Pulp Fiction and Natural Born Killers, you know, it kind of got thrown into the mix there. But from the second I saw this film, I fell in love. Uh it it was my first David Fincher film. Um and it it you just You never forget your first. Right. And the just the the quality, the cinematography, um the grittiness, the grainy, you know, um he did a a there's a a procedure that he did and i've forgotten the name of it i thought i had it written down but i it's don't it's called bleach bypass yeah bleach bypass that's it and uh you know and just it it looks so different than any other film uh that i had watched at that time and it was immediately hooked and of course because i was into true crime already you know it it you know it sucked me in but the one thing that I noticed right off the bat at the beginning of this, you know, you get that first scene with Somerset, uh, Morgan Freeman's character, is you see how orderly he is right off the bat, right there on yeah. his dresser. He's got his wallet, his handkerchief, his watch, and they're all like spaced perfectly apart. And the fucking metronome picks the and little lint off his suit. Yes, yeah. yes, and he's just, he's very meticulous and orderly and organized, and he is completely surrounded by chaos throughout this entire film, and and you see it, like, in, in his apartment when he's sitting there laying in bed relaxing, reading a book, and you just hear the police sirens and the, the yelling and, and the dogs barking. And he turns on the metronome. Right, and then in comes Mills, who is like the chaos 
the complete opposite of his orderly life, you know, and Mills comes in, hair's all disheveled, you know, dressed all. I think Brad Pitt said that he went out and bought his own ties so that they would look cheap. Uh, yeah, and tacky, for, yeah. For the character, you know, but uh, uh, yeah, just right off the bat, like, you know, you, you they build these characters so well right off the bat, and they don't even need to tell you anything. Yeah, without saying a word. Right, right. And I think that's just fucking brilliant. I mean, that's good oh, filmmaking yeah. right there. Absolutely. Um, floor's open. Um, it's not. We don't usually have silence on here too much. So <laughs> somebody jump in, or I will. You know me. Yeah, I was just. I mean, I can keep talking. So I can keep I mean, talking. You know me. <laughs> I'll, I'll go. Um, we watched this Friday night because you know. Cheyenne had visited and I told David, I was like, probably not a good idea to show a six year old seven. Um, I think she probably needs to be seven. A couple seven. years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I had told him I had never seen this movie from the beginning to the end. Um, and that oh, I had seen wild. the Well, I had seen the ending, but I had not, and I'd seen like a couple of scenes, but I'd never just seen all of it. And he said when he's went to start it, he said, well, how much had, have you seen percentage-wise? And I was like, you know, probably 30%, you know, is what, I, what I'd seen. And so we're watching it, and everything happens, and we get to the end, and, you know, you've got, what's in the box? And stuff. And then it ends, and I look at him, and I was like, um, I saw 10%. <laughs> I had literally seen, like, what's in the box, had no idea what was in the box. Oh. Um, right. And um, the scenes that I thought I had had seen previously, I'd actually only seen like stills of. Um, so I had never seen this like all the way through or anything. This movie came out when I was like 12 um, and it kind of bypassed me. I don't think my parents, like my, my dad, I think this one was one that he was like, yeah, no, we're not. We're not going down this lane, which blows my mind anytime I'm like, yeah, my dad wouldn't show this one to me. But at four, I was watching Hellraiser. So, you know, it kind of. My mom was my... weird like that, too. Um, yeah, like it kind of blows my mind. I living on... dead when I was six. But then, you know, there were certain movies like she was trying to keep me. Like we just talked about with New Nightmare, try to keep me away from Freddy because I already had sleep disorders and she didn't want to like fuck with that. So she had like a weird code. Yeah, Romero, but no, no, Freddie. Yeah. And even, but back then, I think we talked, we touched on this when we did Fight Club. I am not the biggest Brad Pitt fan. Like even back in the days, like I didn't jump on the bandwagon, the Interview with the Vampire, or or um, uh, Legends of the Fall, or um, any other Thel Brad Pitt movie. Thelma and Louise. Bandwagon. I was kind of like, you know, he's only giving us movies because you guys think he looks cute. He he's not good. You know, I kind of loved him in that. I kind of loved him in that Keanu. Um, but Keanu's great too. Yeah, in some things, in some things. So I didn't really respect my own private Idaho. Right. Well, I didn't really respect Brad Pitt as an actor until like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, like, there's not Damn, really that's recent. Yes, that is very recent. Like, there's not really too like a Brad Pitt film that I was like, oh, yeah, he can act until 
once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> you get the eyebrow for that. Yeah, yeah, no, I get the eyebrow. I get the eyebrow a lot. <laughs> but um, this this was good. Um, to me, it felt a little long. I have the attention span of like, you know, goldfish, you know. So anything about two hours, I'm like, oh, could y'all have cut just a little bit? I'm smart people. So I, I don't need, I don't need, you know, to hang on some of these things. But I appreciate this movie because you cannot tell me this movie did not inspire the Saw series. I this was going to say the same thing. This movie had to have inspired Lee Wanell and James Wan. Uh, for them to write salt and the salt franchise is my favorite franchise. So um, this, this had to, especially when you think back to the first song and one of the first tracks you see is the victim is found in barbed wire all the way through. So that takes us back to um, gluttony. His wrists are bound in barbed wire. His ankles are bound in barbed wire. Um, That's when I had the epiphany. They, they like had to, and, and honestly, that could be how I know some of the scenes or like where I saw some of the steals um, is, is through song. Um, that just could be how I, I recognize it. What I appreciate about this movie is I am a huge fan of the Canterbury Tales and um, the Divine Comedy. Like, Every single uh, iteration that comes out of the Divine Comedy, any type of leather bound or any type of like release that can be found, I buy of the Divine Comedy. The Canterbury Tales, I love because of every single dirty joke that's in it. Like there are so many perverse jokes that are in that that just go over people's heads. Well, I have to comment there because, you know, my field of study was uh, English and literature. Um, That was my whole academic career right there. And when I had to study the Canterbury Tales, I was like, between this and blowing my fucking leg off, I'd rather blow my fucking leg off. I hated reading and studying and writing fucking papers on the Canterbury Tales. So even when Morgan Freeman's character, you know, Somerset's in the library and he touches Canterbury Tales, I'm like, no, no. I love the Divine Comedy because I also studied that. A lot of people don't realize that the Inferno, because they're like, oh, Dante wrote the Inferno. I'm like, it's just part of the Divine Comedy. Right. And and I like that, you know, that's included because it's really, like, the whole thing is actually really great and really important. But the Canterbury Tales makes me want to just die. I'd rather well, die. Than how, yeah, this, how funny was it that Brad Pitt went and got the Cliff Notes versions? I, I and, love that. And then he was sneaky about sneaking, it. Trying to sneak them and hide them in the drawer. I love it. Yeah. That'd be the me. Sec- the second that they're in the library, that he's, the Somerset's in the library, and he's like touching the Canterbury Tales. I'm like, this with Dave. I was yes. the exact opposite. Yes. I'm like, oh God, please no. No, 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 not the Canterbury Tales. I fucking hate that book. Yeah. Milton's Paradise Lost, which I think is a much better read. Yeah. Um, um, you know, because I had to study that. I, it's, I feel like when I was doing World Lit, I the, that's exactly when I studied these. And, um, you know, it was so much religious shit, and I was, like, fucking over it. I was like, all right, can we 
read something that's not why do you have to focus on all this religious shit i'm over it right now <laughs> oh my god because we read them like it was canterbury tales then we read fucking paradise love then we read the divine comedy and i'm like okay give me a break throw, throw <laughs> something else at me let's read like tom jones or something right but you right. know but I, I think you do that to like we did like you know 18th century lit or something yeah i absolutely love love that they went that route because you know as soon as you start talking about the seven deadly sins and you get into all of that you know it's easy it's kind of an easy thing to tie back especially to um the divine comedy especially to to dante's inferno but particularly you know when you start thinking about like in the inferno the levels of hell but mm -hmm. with the, the rest of the divine comedy you know the stuff that somerset's printing out you know it talks about the seven deadly sins it talks about um more of the stuff it kind of expands upon it and I, it's actually a really great work of art um and a good read uh it's not a it's a ponderous read um not for the yeah. casual reader but it, it is it's not good stuff it's good stuff worth reading don't get the cliff notes. Just fucking read the book. Yeah. <laughs> if you get really desperate, there's a YouTube channel. You can find the thug notes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> thug, notes. thug notes goes through it through Dante in four minutes. I made <laughs> David watch it earlier. <laughs> you hadn't read the Divine Comedy? Me? Yeah. No, I went to school in New Jersey. We didn't do that stuff. <laughs> Well, we I did not. We did not Indiana. read. I went to IU. Okay, so it was like we're. Yeah, I think one time Indiana, they. You know I think what one I'm time saying? they forced us. They forced us to read Beowulf in the original. I had to read Beowulf oh, yeah. in. And I, I wanted to kill. List. I wanted to kill myself. We did. That. I had to read the epics, and I was like, Beowulf was the most boring shit. Yeah. I had to read Epic of Gilgamesh like on a loop, yeah. then read fucking Beowulf again. I think the, one of the reasons that I like Canterbury Tales so much is senior year my Brit lit teacher taught it and she focused on all of the dirty jokes and we couldn't figure out like i was my teacher was too fucking uptight for that shit well what we had heard about her from the previous years was that she was uptight and all this stuff and then when we got to her she was just the opposite she was wild and she was telling all these dirty jokes and she was an older lady Telling all these dirty jokes and nice. she like my like, sociology professor, like she was well, great like that. Well, this was senior year of high school, and she was just kind of off. And we were like, mm, she's kind of off. We later found out she had a brain tumor, she had brain cancer. Oh, holy and shit. Wow. So after okay. our year, after our senior year, she found out about it. But that was you could tell where her brain tumor was because of that shift. In her personality but holy shit it wow. was wild we were like no we are having a blast and everybody was like everybody before us was like that's not the same woman we had we're like no we're learning everything like dirty jokes and all brain tumor <laughs> so, kicked in i guess right brain tumor kicked that's in the right here dark man <laughs> but she was great she taught for like six more years before she retired yeah damn Chemo, okay she Chemo was committed. yeah she was committed all right, uh, Joelle, let's hear from you. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you guys obviously have seen like the title sequence, right? Where it's implied that you know the dude in the in the title sequence is supposed to be John Doe. 
Um, the creator of that title sequence, his name is Kyle Cooper. I actually did like a little report on him back in college. Um, he was actually known for like creating title sequences that were better than the film. And <laughs> to give an example of some of the many works in his portfolio, which on IMDb, it's 283. Wow. So he's done a ton. Awesome. But he, he's the same guy that did um, the title sequences in American Horror Story, um, Iron Man 3, Final Destination 5, uh, The Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Um, he's got so much under his belt. Um, and I just, I thought it was like, a great intro to the movie to be honest oh absolutely i loved it and the usage of the uh closer to god uh remix Thanks. yeah um, yeah yeah it's just uh, everything about it like because i mean you're you're getting ready to go on this crazy ass ride with this movie and what better way to make it like introduce you to that than to have an intro like that um, right the way that the credits are um written out you know looks like they're written in the hand of like you know a, a maniac or serial killer or whatever uh so yeah, yeah I think they're, they're just slashed into the film they're just yeah. scratched into it yeah and i, I think they that literally intro are they so didn't great. even use special effects yeah they actually wanted uh the the director of the closer video for nine inch nails to do the credits and they were like no 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 no, no. cooper was like uh-uh i'm doing this shit <laughs> yeah and, yeah, and he did the damn I really thing too. think like you couldn't do a better job. I mean, the video for Closer is is great, yeah. yeah. But like, could it have been better than it was? I don't think so. Well, um, and, plus, it would reverse how credits showed up on uh, the screen. Yeah, that's I what I was gonna say. That. To jump to the end, the way that the credits, you know, scroll down instead of scrolling up, up you know, and they, right. so they they kind of go in reverse. Yeah. And they do that with, yeah, the credits do the same thing, you know, the yeah. way that they come on the screen. And I thought that that, that just fits so well. And then, you you know, uh, for your first time viewing, like, I, I actually saw this in the theaters. Um, my career at that time in 1995 was smoking a lot of pot and going to movies and concerts. So, uh, you know, and I... And I and 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 to talk about you know Crystal's uh, Brad Pitt thing, he was never like he's too pretty for me. I'm not into like pretty guys, except for my husband. Apparently, but you're a pretty very guy. Pretty. You're a good looking very guy. Pretty. And he, he's very metro, and and I kind of dig that. Oh, but it's stop. not my 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 type on paper. Um, so Brad Pitt was too pretty for me. But when um, I'm, I'm such an Anne Rice fan, when, you know, when, when we did interview with a vampire, um, I was like, and, and that's when I told my, my famous Pulp Fiction story that was continued in the next episode, which was Pulp Fiction. I started it in interview with a vampire. But um, yeah, I mean, one of my draws to it was, you know, Brad Pitt's going to play Louie. Like, holy shit, I got to go see this. You know, and there was all that controversy with uh, the whole Tom Cruise thing, which I thought he was a great Lestat, but that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, um, Brad Pitt, man, like after this movie, he was on a fucking roll. Like he was doing, I mean, it's not like he was doing bad for himself, but I mean, his, his, his acting in this, that final scene, you know, the one fucking time in the movie, it's not raining and they're out right. there. 
And, you know, Somerset's, you know, running towards him, you know, because he's really far away. And he's like, put down the gun! You know, and then he's apparently like, don't shoot him. You're going to be giving him what he wants. Don't do it. And you see Brad Pitt struggling and crying and then putting the gun back up and then he's crying and then he's, oh my God, you know, just like his fucking wife that he just found out was pregnant. Um, Because Somerset already knew that. But, right. you know, and he's just like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And, you know, you're thinking, like, what's Brad Pitt going to do? And you're really invested. Like, he's selling me on that shit. Like, he's right. struggling. And, and I'm there with him, like, oh, my God, you know, what if that was my my spouse? You know, holy shit. What would it? I, I'd, I'd be having the same emotions because he's crying, he's angry, he's everything. And, and, you know, John does, like, become wrath. Yeah, and you're just like, and you, everything in you is like, I know what happened was horrible, but we know that how Mill's character is because Brad Pitt has sold us on it the entire fucking movie, and and it just you know you know that he's chaos and you know that he's hot headed, and, and and here's this terrible one of the worst things in the world that could happen, and you're just like, no, don't do it, don't don't finish it, come on, yeah. be better well, than it- that. And it's funny, too, because, you know, everybody wants to talk about, like, you know, the twist ending being the head in the box, you know. And for me, personally, like, I don't, like, that's that's fucked up, right? That's mm-hmm. fucked up. But for me, the twist ending is when he says, become wrath, because then that closes the circle. That brings everything back around. Because when I first watched this, I wasn't, that was the last thing I was thinking. You know, I had seen all all these other, you know, the the sins had had been taken care of, but that was the last thing I, w- I was thinking of was, you know, oh well, you know, they never did wrath. But then when he said that, I was like, oh my god, they that's never fucking, did wrath. <laughs> it's genius. It's genius. Yeah. Like the way that, and we'll get into it because I want to talk. I want to talk about some of the kills. Um, yeah. In in yeah. a bit, but uh, go ahead, Joel. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna bounce off of what you were saying. Um, you know, the first couple times I saw the film, I was like, wait, they still have two more. Who's the two more? And I realized in this time, I must have missed it the last couple times. But, you know, John Doe says envy is my sin. And I'm like, oh, yeah. of course. Right. And then he pretty much foreshadows when they're in the car driving to the place that Mills is wrath because he talks about uh, you know, Mills would totally enjoy time alone with me in a room without windows. Right. Yeah. Um, how happy would it make you to hurt me? And right. there's nothing wrong about, you know, a man taking pleasure in his work. So he totally foreshadows the fact that Mills is going to be wrath. Yeah, and he's yeah. kind of also setting him up for that yeah. with that statement. He's trying to work him up. He's trying to get it into his head. And that creepy... Mm-hmm. Okay, ever, I gotta admit, ever since I saw this movie, I thought Kevin Spacey was creepy. I never <laughs> liked... I mean, he's... <sighs> I hate to say this. I don't want to give him any credit because I fucking hate the guy. But he's a great actor. You, yeah, you have to separate the art from the artist. I don't... I, I, I do. I think he's a piece of shit. Oh, God. But yeah. But between his, his character in this... And uh, the character he plays in Usual Suspects. I'm about Kaiser, to say Usual Suspects. Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose. Like, I, I love him in both of those films. 
Wait, the he was Kaiser trick Shelsang? the devil yeah. ever played was telling, you know, convincing people he didn't exist. I get it, Dave. I get it. Thanks. That was just for me. That was just I'm for sorry, me. I was talking. I didn't yeah. hear you. Uh, what'd you say? No, no. And we talked about this uh, last time, I think, where I was talking about how much Mel Gibson is such a piece of shit now. But there are certain things I will not give up, uh, even from Mel Gibson's uh, ass hattery. And, and that is uh, Mad Max and um, uh, uh, Road Warrior. I can't there give certain, up any Hitchcock. There are certain things, like I won't watch and The Patriot anymore. That movie kind of sucked anyway. And like Braveheart, I can give up. I'm not giving up The Road Warrior. I'm not giving up Mad Max. So I won't let him take that from me. And I think it's the same thing with Kevin Spacey. You have to at some point say, you know, okay, his performances were great. Well, you yeah, know, I, like, He's not going to think, I'm not going to seek out his work, but there are yes. certain performances I'm not going to let his being such a jerk take well, you know, like away from Well, like when it. I was uh, promoting this on, on Instagram, I wouldn't even put his name in yeah but it's like what I we talked that. about with with harvey weinstein dude's a fucking piece of shit oh, yeah. his, his name is attached to so one third of the movies released and grindhouse i'm not giving up fucking grindhouse you'll pray yeah. for my cold dead fucking hands that's the same with dogma mm. keep trying keep yeah. trying to find dogma. It's so hard to find because yeah. of that whole thing. yeah it's a great movie but it's yeah so but kevin that. spacey in this is so fucking creepy that ever since this movie even before everything i mean because that was fairly recent i always looked at him as the creepiest motherfucker because he was so convincing as being creepy in this film you know when he shows up and just that calm weirdness to him it's just like i don't know and it's really got, odd how much he's so self-assured Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just that weird calm. I, I I don't know how to describe it honestly. I can't put it into words. He's a zealot. He, all true zealots are that way. They're, yeah, they're, they but, uh, yeah, he's absolutely like believe so, in everything they do. Yeah. and just so calm and that he's manner got a flat, of speech that he yes, has. He's got a flat affect. Yeah, yeah. He's got a very you know, flat you affect. In your, your typical sociopath. And yeah. We know that a lot of sociopaths fucking serial killers because you have to be divorced from your emotions to be able to pull the shit off. Especially the level of shit that John Doe pulls off in this. They're like, what kind of maniac has the patience? That's the wor- They say that's the worst part about this killer is that he's patient. Because like when we think of uh, our sloth death or yeah, sloth death, death. Um, that one's fucked. But uh like they really are all fucked up. You you walk in and there's all the fucking air fresheners and yeah, and you're just like, what the hell is gonna happen here? And they're like, well, he's the best tenant I ever had. Always paid the rent on time, you know, and blah blah blah. And um, but you know, they're like, for a year, this guy paid his rent and did all the you know you know did all the shit to him and. Like for a year, photographic evidence that he left for them. He wanted them to find him, but he wanted somebody smart who could decipher the clues and turned out to be, let's just say we know it was Somerset, but Mills was, he got involved because he got handed the case by 
Arlie Ermy, who I'd like to talk more about in a little bit. Uh, yeah. All we need to talk about is his eyebrows. No, right. I love yes. Arlie yes. Ermy. I, I mean, eyebrow game was crazy, but yeah. I love Arlie Ermy in literally everything, starting from Full Metal Jacket to the rest of his career. Anything he was in, I'm like, I am fucking in. Yeah. I love Arlie Ermy. And the fact that he doesn't yell at all, except for this is not even my desk, you know, and so he's he the police that. captain, you know. So you, you expect him to yell, and he doesn't yell because he's always yelling in his roles, you know, and, and it's hard to look at him and not think Full Metal Jacket, but... Yeah. Those that... hanging... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Those hanging trees with sloth. Just quick. That room had to smell atrocious. For someone like me who's very sensitive to smells... I am I too. Made... I am too. I made the mistake and hung one of those new car scent trees in my locker in high school. And then we went on, yeah, we went on Christmas break and that shit stayed in my locker. And you could smell that new car smell down the hallway before I got to my locker. <laughs> and everybody kept asking as I was getting closer to my locker, where the fuck is that scent coming from? So I had to like open my locker and like slam Yeah, you're all like embarrassed. Like how can <laughs> I yeah, like, like oh, slyly get rid of this? I thought I was doing something good. And now the whole hallway sounds like this. My head's hurting. So that was just one. I can only imagine a forest. Of, yeah. And those were and multiple I think scents of, like, the classic because they were multiple of, colors. Like, yeah, because the classic scent is that green one that smells like pine, and it just smells like ass. I can't yeah. deal with it. it. Does. I'm sensitive to smells too, which is weird because I'm a smoker, but um, because it usually affects your sense of smell. But I am very sensitive to smells. I'll walk in a room and be like, "Okay, who did this and when? And what? Why does it smell like this?" I'll walk in. I'm like, it "Smells like caramel in here." Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's very few things that mask the smell of of decomposition or the you know oh, the smell and it, of of so urine and feces. And so Purple. I couldn't and so I couldn't imagine the smell being a mixture of all of those air fresheners on top of I'd piss and shit and you know well, decomposition. So when, and... when they walked in the room and then it showed the body, I just looked at Dave and I went, "Oh, they needed some Vicks." Because that's yeah. what we use in the medical field. Yeah. We put yeah, a little put bit of mix un under our, like on our nostrils, right. and then we go in there. But they yeah. also like charcoal, the, like charcoal in there uh, helps like get rid of it absorbs the smell too. But yeah. um, Vicks on your nose. I'm surprised Vicks hasn't used that in an ad. Don't want to smell dead bodies, you know? Yeah. Try I'm weird, but I have allergies and I can't take allergy medicine. So uh, Vix is my friend. Yeah. But that jump scare when uh, uh, McGinley leans in, that's one of the greatest jump scares I in that, that cinematic. I it, went and saw this in a theater too. And I remember yeah. that I jumped out of my seat. I jumped, yeah, I jumped about 10 feet. And just even when don't I was watching it that. earlier today, I was like, oh God, I fucking forgot it. I mean, I knew it was coming, but I fucking forgot how scary it was. Because what you're seeing is already horrible enough. It's hard, as horrible as you can imagine. This emaciated corpse, hand cut off, you know. Uh, uh, lips chewed off, and uh, and then the, when for him to like do that, and it wasn't even like he snatches, he just, you know leaps up out of bed. He just takes in a breath, and it's the yeah. biggest jump scare in, in one of the biggest jump scares in movie yeah, history. Yeah, but his, his pupil color, like he has like some some cataracts going on, but his pupil color, like it scared me. But I was like, something ain't right with his body. And then it took the breath in, and I was like, ah, uh, 
Yeah. And I've read that uh, they didn't know that he was going to breathe in like that. The, the uh, SWAT act, the actors playing well, the SWAT guys. you can tell did. because they fucking flip out just like. And that's a great, that's a fantastic, oh, that's a fantastic jump scare. And listening to the, uh, uh, on the, the Blu-ray that we have, there's a, uh, uh, behind the scenes uh, and extra clips and things like that. And they do this breakdown where it goes through all of those photographs that they, that they have there from day one to, you know, a year later. And as, as they're flipping through them, David Fincher is talking about um, that scene and the actor that, that plays that. And they wanted somebody who was like really skinny and emaciated. And so this guy shows up and he's like 96 pounds. And David Fincher jokingly tells him, "You'll have the role, but you're gonna have to lose another ten pounds." Right? Oh, God. And, and he and and David Fincher tells it as if like you know, look, I I was openly openly joking with this guy, right? It was obvious. So the day that they film, the guy comes in and he sits through like eight hours of makeup, nine hours of makeup, and goes in there. And when David Fincher sees him, he gives him the thumbs up and he says, "Hey, I lost six more pounds." And David oh. Fincher was blown away because he was just joking with him. But I mean, he looked, he looked ill. And if if any of you guys have seen um, the Machinist, the Machinist. Oh yeah. God, no. That's you know what I'm saying. Like like that's. I can't do the Machinist. Mm. Yeah, but that whole scene um, with the the SWAT um, with McGinley. And, you, and of course, you got Somerset and Mills following up. And I love how they're in the hallway and the the last SWAT guy with the the. Uh, Oh, what do battery they call ram. that? Yeah, the battery, battery ram. ram. He comes running up, and he was like, he was like, dicks go in last. Yeah. <laughs> Swats before, before dicks. Yeah, yeah, Swats before dicks, yeah. And then they go in there, and they're like, uh, dicks, get dicks. in Dicks, yeah. yeah. And that's such a throwback, because I didn't think anybody called detectives dicks, dicks. anymore. Um, you know, but I watch a lot of classic films where, you know, they're gumshoes, they're dicks, they're private dicks, you know, whatever, and I'm like, you know, now people are like, they're probably just thinking they're insulting them, not realizing it's like a term. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit, you get, there's a little, you get the impression there's a little rivalry between the two groups of uh, police officers. That doesn't Somerset lean into uh, Mills and say at one point, they love this. Talking about yeah. that, yeah, running up the stairs, really doing this. their, yeah, it's, there's a little bit of rivalry between get them. Get to do they their thing. Yeah, they, 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 they do something differently. Neither one really respects, and not respect, neither one really cares for the other one too much. Probably the SWAT guys think that detectives are, you know, pussies and the detectives think the SWAT guys are gung-ho assholes. Right, but, right, know. right. I can vouch for that, too, because I'm probably the youngest one in this episode right now. So I was, like, four when this movie came out. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> I'm finally not a young <laughs> And so, like, I can, I totally agree. Like, I did not think that that was a thing that they were called. I definitely thought it was an insult. Yeah, yep. and I, I think even for my age group, you know, I was born in 79, I'll be 43 this year. So, but even for my age, it's odd to be as into classic film as I am. People are like, aren't you a little young for that? I'm like, Jesus Christ, if we're talking about the people who are around, then they're all fucking dead. But okay, yeah, I mean, somebody's got to carry it on. And there are classic film fans out there, but like, I love film noir. And um, my man Humphrey, who was my ultimate crush, Humphrey Bogart, um, you know, he did a lot of, you know, like one of my favorite movies is The Maltese Falcon, you know, and he was a private dick in it, you know, and it, 
And and even when um you know I was getting into classic film, you know, around ten ish or so, which was an odd thing for a ten year old to be into, but I was pretty fucking weird. Um you know, I was like, Oh my god, what? They're what? You know, so but I picked up on that. So for me it was like I you know, I, I got it, but like a lot of people I was like, I have to explain that to them because, you know, it's something like you have to know uh about like old school it was more of like a 40s term or a 30s term even that yeah it's, it, i didn't think that they that what surprised me is that they were using it in a modern setting like i'm like they, they still do that or well i think the swat guys use it for both effects Once well it, yeah so i was thinking it uh, works all the time way. i mean i but don't also think they're calling them dicks know that yeah. but, <laughs> you know you, you don't need to know that that was a term but like right. uh yeah, because it works because that rivalry is there already, so the dicks thing works either way. Yeah. Well, if you guys are done talking about dicks... Um, We're never done talking never. about dicks on the never. house. Never. That's all we ever do. Um, yeah, we wrote a haiku, actually. The, I mean, there was an actual dick in the movie, too. We did see a dick yes, in this movie, yes. Um, the, uh, the sloth kill. Um, so they find this guy sitting at his table... Or not sloth, oh, gluttony. gluttony. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gluttony. gluttony. Um, they find this guy sitting at the table, face buried in a bowl of spaghetti. Cockroaches fucking everywhere. They had to put stuff in his ears and they, nose so they wouldn't climb in there. Yes, and they had a, We have another cockroach wrangler. We talked I, about. Yes. I mean, we talked yes. about cockroaches. They don't want to do. Uh, you know, they can't harm any creatures. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, but you know. You gotta have those cockroach stranglers so they don't mate. And then, well, yeah, ew. We talked about yeah. the cockroach wrangler on the Hellraiser episode. Yeah, we've talked about bug wranglers on a lot of episodes. Yeah, yeah. But the 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 way that this this guy's body looked, you know, like like Crystal said earlier, hands and feet bound in barbed wire, and you see like the blue veins. And, yeah. Oh, it's so. And when the when the doctor comes in and lifts his face up out. Of the after after Somerset sends Mills out and he lifts his face up out of the spaghetti and he's like, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, it just the way his his face looked. His uh, eyes were milky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and so, he Mills on the way in is like, did they check for a pulse? And he's like, this guy's fucking yeah, dead. Trust yeah. Me. <laughs> um, but you know, this is Rob Bottin, and we've talked about this guy in several films that we've done. Uh, fantastic special effects makeup artist. The thing. Yeah. And I mean, he, just for starters, he was really young when he did that. Yeah, yeah, and he he spent some time uh, in a mortuary observing autopsies uh, so that he could get a feel for how some of these bodies are going to look. Yeah, this was this was really great. Um, yeah, because I was telling David when the body swamped over, um, you could tell how like the blood had drained forward. I, but I was telling him when. when the doctor tried pulled his head up in real life the head wouldn't have come up because the thing like what about rigor mortis and the right. second rigor mortis would have set in by that time and that's what you know. i was thinking i was like no the, the head I, I would not have, have like, pulled up because you know i don't fuck with corpses or any of that shit like i love horror movies but when it comes to real life dead people like i can't even if it's like a loved one in a casket like when my grandfather died my grandma was up kissing him so i thought it was okay to go up and touch him and I touched his hand, and it was cold, and I was like, I'm never touching a corpse again. 
I just yeah. realized, like, that's not my grandfather. That's a fucking corpse. Yeah. I got into it. my great-grandfather's casket to kiss him. I was, like, three. I didn't know any better. <laughs> yeah, my grandma but... kept doing it, but we didn't know she had fucking dementia at the time. <laughs> but, yeah, I, um, yeah, they would have taken his temp, his internal temp, and um, that's how they would have processed how long, like, he had died and how long he had been there. So that's how they would have processed how long he had been dead. And I have a question because I know you had to do all that stuff to become a nurse. You had to Mm -hmm. study these things. Now in movies, we get a lot of like, Oh, he died at 1203 or something. And I know that it's a lot more broad than that, isn't it? Like, well, he died sometime between these like eight hours or even longer than that, right? Sometimes, sometimes. But yeah, depending on what the, the body temp is, they can pinpoint it to like a 30 minute or a 15 minute window. Oh, okay. I didn't even know they could do that. Yeah. Close. Yeah. So depends on was, what... I just was told that it was broader than. than well, I think it, I think it depends it on, on, you know, the, the circumstances probably circumstances because i mean if yeah. you find a if you find a body that's a week old and and half devoured by you know maggots and blowflies and all that oh, stuff stop. like oh, right yeah so then that's going to depend that's going to really you know that's that's those... when they bring in like the entomologist to study the you know the forensic entomologist oh, oh, with the right. bugs and to study the bot flies and yeah. and the larvae to see what their growth cycle is in. And then you're going to see, you know, internal temperature, but your autopsy is going to be your biggest thing. So your biggest thing on your autopsy in that perspective is what the stomach content is. Because if they right, have something new. so much in this gluttony death. Yeah, right. which pretty much is all spaghetti and plastic pieces. So, it's the clue because you know John Doe wanted to be found, but he wanted to be you know he wanted to be intelligent well, and, and have somebody who was going to think and and look for the source materials and things. You know Somerset was the perfect candidate for this. So that that raises the question: Did he did he have them picked out ahead of time? The Somerset and Mills. Did, did well, John because have Mills was new, it couldn't. I don't know that right. he was picked out, but I think so. So either either he knew Mills, he, uh, Somerset was this good of a cop, or he didn't, and he was just hoping that somebody would put together the fact that this guy had plastic in his stomach and would. Well, I put mean, it, it makes sense this- that you know because we know that Mills doesn't really <clears throat> figure anything out. Somerset is the one that's figuring everything out, doing the research. And, and that's after he's handed off all these cases to Mills because he's retiring. And right. They which is that a lot, which that's, is I think that's an one of the plot point, one of the biggest tropes in a lot of detective stories, you know, or in, in, in films of the, of this nature is the, you know, the cop that, you know, is on his last couple of days and, and gets handed this case, but it works so well in this, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't so well. feel like a trope here. Right, right. It's so integral to the plot. Yeah. And I think that, I think that, you know, like I said, you know, I read a lot of true crime and you look at somebody like, you know, the Zodiac or BTK who, you know, they were, they were sending these notes, um, you know, or these cryptograms or they were taunting. Sam also doing that? Yeah. And they were, and they were taunting the police and they were taunting the public. And you kind of get a flip side with that 
in this with John Doe where he's he's leaving them clues and leaving them messages, but he's not like giving them to them. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's making it like like they have to find it. So it's like yeah. his game, he's in control. And Somerset realizes that from the fucking beginning. Yeah. But, and I think that's why we need that that intro to him with the very meticulousness <clears throat> of him. Uh, yeah. So even after he's passed on the case, even after he's talked about how weary he is of the fucking city, and Jesus Christ, it fucking rains the whole goddamn time. Right. Oh, my yeah, God. Was, it just drives was, me crazy. But, like, it's important, I think, to the film because it's supposed to make you feel desolate and despair and all these things and i think that's important to feel in the story because you feel things much more intensely but you know somerset was and and even um arlie ermy our police chief guy is like you know this is for you you know that you're the guy to do this and somerset's like i don't want anything to do with this but then eventually he's like mills do you mind if i stay on and be your partner for a couple more days because you know and and mills is like well you knew i was gonna say yes because yeah. Mills knows he can't do this. You know, Mr. Cliff notes, and, you know, you got Morgan Freeman sitting in the library actually reading all the material, you know, doing all the work. This is really Somerset's case. And Mills is more of just, like, he he's so cocky, he's so hot-headed that we need him for our, you know, the other half, the other part of the story. Um he's more used as a tool as well where somerset's removed but he still cares like that first case where did the kids see it well who the fuck cares if the kid sees it that's not our problem and he's like but he cares yeah but he doesn't want to he wants to get removed that's why he's like i'm quitting i don't want to be this and earlier me has a whole like well how does that feel you know you know you're not going to be a cop in a couple of days that's going to bother you and he's like no no, right. I'm doing this. And and I think that's such an important driving thing. But yeah, when you see in other films, it, it does feel very much like a trope. It, it feels heavy handed. And here it just it's so important that it doesn't bother you in the least, or at least it doesn't bother me. I think it's so important because yeah. he's trying to disengage. But like this is the case for him. This whole thing is is for Somerset. Right shows a lot about his character too because he's only got a week left <clears throat> excuse me and he's retiring and like I kind of feel like when you quit a job it's usually because either you're not being treated right or you're burnt out yeah. and the fact that on multiple occasions like the scene you had just mentioned Candy um, you have people telling him you know why do you care like why are you doing that and they kind of seem like they kind of they wanted to kind of like blow it off and take the easy route right and Somerset's here with seven days left and he still wants to do every single thing right like yeah he tries to get rid of the case but when it's his he knows what he has to do and he does it right yeah and I think, and I think it's very important I'm sorry. I think it's, a, I just... it's at the at the beginning when when he is doing that case um and he asks about, you know, if the child saw it. And that detective's like, who gives a fuck? And he was like, you know, we're all going to be a lot happier when you're gone. And I, I see that as kind of like that that conflict between the old guard and the new guard. You know, right, the right, new, right. Young, new younger detective comes in and, you know, this is the new generation. And we need to get the old, you know, this these 
these older guys out. And you see that in a lot of different you, work. Don't mind me interrupting just very quick because I had a no, thought. I'm used oh, to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know I'm always sorry. But anyway, um, so Mills is trying to throw a lot of psychobabble out. Which is important, but I think that that's what the new guard is taught. And Somerset's like, no, this guy, if you think it's, he's just insane, you're wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, you know, in the part where he's like, you know, if, if a UFO comes out of his head, let's not be surprised, surprised, you know. Or, or if we arrest him and we find out that he's really, truly Satan himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, only then... Will this will it feel right? Like, but he's not. He's just a human being. Yeah, and that's what he said. He's just a, he's just a man. And I and that's a testament to this film and a testament to you know the concept of true crime. In a nutshell, is like humanity. Humans are the biggest monsters, you know. And that's why you know on Twitter I had asked I had asked, would you consider this a horror film? And there were quite a few people that said absolutely because. The shit that John Doe does to his victims in this is way more methodical and thought out and it's depraved scarier. than anything that Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees, like Jason Voorhees, cool. He may, you know, stab you through the fucking face with a harpoon gun. Or beat you to death like it's just over. Bag, which is my but, favorite Jason kill. But, yeah, but, he, but he's not, but, but he's not strapping somebody to a bed. And slowly letting them deteriorate for a year. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, keep them two off their own fucking tongue. Yeah, that's fucking hell. Or or forcing someone to fuck somebody with a giant dildo knife. You know, which you <laughs> oh, know, God. I that that scene. Um, oh, oh my God! The uh, the what's the actor's name? Leland Orser. His Committed. the way that the Committed. way that he tells that story. Yeah, and he made me fucker you know like he's just and and i so i was i was reading through the trivia and it talked about how he had like learned how to cause himself to hyperventilate yeah which just is an for unpleasant that. fucking feeling let me tell I you i could only fucking imagine frequently has panic yeah. attacks i could only bet he killed that scene like he's sitting there he didn't even shaking. sleep for two days yeah to oh, make and sure it, that he looked and it shows it shows yeah. but it's exactly how somebody who went through that would look um crystal what no, he was, he, and he was forced. He was forced to kill somebody, you know, with a gun in his mouth. You can see that. Yeah, it's a great performance. But uh, my point was going to be uh, talking about Mills. That opening scene is so important when he asks the other cop, "Did the kid see it?" That the, the other cop represents everyone else, the whole city. Yeah. Like when Mills tells um, R. Lee about the story of the guy getting mugged, and while he was helpless, the, the attacker stabs out both his eyes. You know, he said it happens just a couple blocks from here, and he says women aren't taught are taught in rape prevention not to yell help but to yell fire it, 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 it's it's the entire people don't respond to the cry rape so the whole the city itself is a character it's this apathetic when 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 mills is chasing john doe through the streets after he takes his shots at them outside his apartment people aren't aren't trying to help they're throwing fucking trash at them because they're making noise and, yeah you know disturbing their daily you know whatever ritual whatever they're doing yeah, this, that Chris is right they, so you know, great they're That's not concerned that you know really are yeah, they're 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 mad because they're making it's the whole the city is a character in and of itself. It is the rain, the gloom, the the the, the film process we talked about. What is it called? Bleach removal yeah. or uh, bleach bypass? But yeah, where it, that that makes it so much bleaker and, and grayer. And the the rain actually relates to um, apparently the in the third level of hell. And I didn't I've never read 
uh, Dante's Inferno. Yes. But in the third circle of hell, it's always raining. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Seattle. Is it just, it's it's Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> yeah, I was confused. So those are our listeners in Seattle. He's just kidding. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was confused on where this took place because everyone is. I, well, I mean, because it kept raining, I was like, is this Seattle? Is it Portland? You know, where are we? Feels like New York. It does feel like right. New York. Yeah, I think it is supposed to be New York. Except they except talk about they, upstate. And except, yeah, except when they New drive York. out, except at the end when they drive out to find the other two bodies, they're all suddenly in the desert. Right. I, I'm from New Jersey. There's no deserts within a two-hour drive. Of- <laughs> right, no, right. and it's see, that's the thing that throws me. Is well, I, I don't think it matters. LA. I think the point is, it, it can be any city. I think that's the point. It's every city, any yeah. city. It doesn't have to be a specific city. You know, I've, I've heard people say things about, like, license plates they see. It's this city and or it's that city. And like he says, upstate, but... I, but I don't think that's I think the point is it doesn't have to be a specific city. I think that's the point. It's yeah, not it's I mean, every- that would work for Indianapolis. I mean, we are a major city, but like you could talk about to somebody upstate because like literally like I've talked about, there's Indianapolis, there's the suburbs and then there's a fucking bunch of cornfields and, and farms. That's it. That's the state of Indiana. So somebody could be talking about upstate and it still works. For yeah. Indiana, for I think the point. I think I think David Fincher made it a point to not tell what city it is to leave it yeah. ambiguous. Yeah, because it actually works for any big city. Yeah, yeah, the, the, Chicago. Yeah, it, it could be anything. Yeah, and actually, on uh, John Doe's like jumpsuit on the back, it says Bardock County, and I actually looked it up, and the only thing that came up was this movie. Um, so I think Bardock was the name of. I think that was the last name of the costume designer. That it, it, it ties back yeah. to the name of one of the crew members. Yeah. yeah. So again, that's just a red herring. He's just like, yeah, that's David Fincher fucking with us. He's like, aha, you yeah. thought you had a clue. David Fincher's really like, good at fucking with us, and we talked yeah. about that in uh, Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like where's the Simpsons Springfield. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Springfield, that, Illinois, but you know. Right, but yeah, they they it they could talk. really be anywhere. Yeah, it can really every be town has an Elm Street. Right, right, but and they and they say Springwood, and later on it was somebody said it's Springwood, Ohio, and I'm like, at what point does it say Springwood, Ohio? Right, I watched all the Freddy films. Somebody <laughs> made that up. <laughs> I enjoyed the the um, greed kill because. Um, as you're looking around and you're trying to find out the clues, it takes you to the wife and the wife is looking through the pictures and they're like, you know, she's like, why are you making me look through this and stuff? And so, you know, Morgan Freeman's characters like, you know, kind of really need to back off. And, you know, you have Mills, you have Brad Pitt's character who's like, no, we need, you know, we need to see if she knows anything. And it stops. And I was like, David, that picture is upside down. That art's upside down. And before she says it, and, and then she says, hey, this this picture is upside down in the office. And it's it, something the, that you wouldn't necessarily, like most people don't know. Most people don't. Down because it's an abstract painting. Right. And, it, and it's a common theme with like Rothko's and like abstract art and very fine paintings a lot of people who buy them just just because they might like them or might just or a show maybe, wealth because yeah, they're expensive maybe because they're yeah. expensive and they want to show off their money they're like oh just put it up there 
they don't ever check to see if it's hung up correctly. Correct. Just, we, we've seen that a lot. In, yeah, it's a, it's a in common In real trick. life, honestly. Yeah, I was like, that picture is upside down. That's bugging me. But yeah, so that was something that I, I appreciated that that was the clue on that on the grave kill. Yeah. That. Well, and and more importantly, like what they found behind it, and, and they really had left, to dig. It was Somerset that really was like, yeah, left something. in fingerprints that led them to the sloth cloth. kill, mm -hmm. and and used used his own hand. You know what I'm saying? Like like the, cut off his hand just to the genius in the in the writing for this. You know, I mean, it's just. It, when you actually sit down and think about it. So the sloth had, that was the first and he did that a year prior to all of this. Yeah. You right. know, and, and, but kept that hand and used that on his second. Well, yeah. His second kill. His second kill of the, the seven. to lead them to the sloth. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, Oh, it was like, I remember uh, when I, yeah, first and when they, when they break into the apartment, that hand is there yeah. in in one of the jars. It's a wet specimen. Yeah, yeah. And and the and when they um after when the cops are all uh, investigating the apartment after they kick the door in, they say that they didn't find a single fingerprint, which means he went to pains to not leave any fingerprints, even in his own apartment. He had cut his own fingertips off. But so even them finding that apartment was part of his plan. He wanted them to find his what was it a thousand notebooks or however many notebooks it was yeah. right. every every single thing is part of his plan which is terrifying i think it might be a little unrealistic because what if he had gotten some dumb shit cop and not somerset on the case you well, know well, yeah well, i think he, he, could, he couldn't have known he could not have known that the case was going to go to somerset right no he couldn't have known that but he was probably hoping and but so yeah. was it the will that of was god the point what, maybe it was the will of God that Somerset got the case. Well, well you know, if if you think about it, like like like, and I, Dave, I don't know if you know a whole lot about true crime or have read a lot about it, but the Zodiac Killer, right, mm -hmm. was never caught, had has never been solved, right? And do I do I think that at any point, whoever the Zodiac Killer was, did did he think that he was never going to get caught? I don't think so. I think that he probably thought at any given moment he's going to get caught. It just and if so you're happened. taunting the police like that, you want to be caught in a, some some way, you know? Yeah, well, that's, because that's that's, that's, that's where you psyche. get the rush. Yeah, that's part of their psyche. They yeah. want to be sensationalized. They want to be in the media. They want they want to be found. Oh, look what I've done. Look. Look how much I can be, you know, 15 minutes of fame. I can, I can go down in the history. A fucking t-shirt. Oh, a movie mm -hmm. of the week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But John Doe then says he doesn't care about that. He says who I am is absolutely, you know, means nothing. Although I get the impression that he says that from a little bit of place of pride. He is kind of proud. Oh yeah. Of he's, what he's, done. he's a little smug. Yeah. You know? well, we haven't yeah. talked about the pride kill. Well, yeah, I yeah, think, I and wanna... I, and, and on those lines, I think about like David Berkowitz when he got busted the son of Sam got busted because of a fucking parking ticket, right? Yeah, right. And, and he was released some serendipity shit. And like before that. before they even said anything, when they when they arrested him, he straight up told them, "You know who I am, right? You know who you've caught." And they're like, "No, who?" And he's like, "The son of Sam." Like, like he was so he he was 
who he was and what he is had done was so important to him. They had no clue who they had, so he he had to tell them, right? You know, and and, and so yeah, I think so there is sad. a lot of there is a little bit of ego and a little bit of pride that mm -hmm. goes into it, you know. Take pride in their work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just wanted to make a, a really quick point because I know we got to get to some other things. Um, I'll go and then Joel will go and then we'll get to our versus question of the night, but. Um, the meticulousness of Somerset we have remarked upon and the meticulousness of John Doe, you know, they really met their match in each other because he was very meticulous, very methodical in, in what he did. And, but so. My internet's part. being fucky tonight. I'm sorry. Okay, but anyway, fucky, fucky, yes. Um, but the meticulousness of the two, you know, they really met their match, and we really needed that prelude with, uh, you know, the little interludes, the little snippets of of Somerset that we get to show why he stays because he's he's kind of enthralled a little bit. You know, and out of his apathy, out of his like uh, misery and, and doing his job by like meeting his match in John Doe. You know, he's really, Absolutely. really um, like, okay, you know, and, and, and Arlie Ermey, you know, his character doesn't even have a name, but uh, which is weird. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, he met his match. They both met their match, and I, they both. I think, you know, uh, Somerset had kind of, you know, just removed himself. But when he met his match, he couldn't stay away. You know, just like when he figures out the seven no, since he's like, there's going to be five more bodies. There's going to be five more mm -hmm. killings. And then, you know, Mills is like, oh, we'll get him before then. He's like, I don't think so. I don't think we will. You know, but uh, yeah, just the meticulousness. I just wanted to point that out between the two. Um, definitely. So, uh, yeah, uh, Joelle. Um, yeah, just back to the point about, you know, whether we think that he knew he was going to get these two specific detectives. Um, at the scene where he, Somerset tries to hand off the case to somebody else, the captain's like, we have nobody else. Um, so it's, and Mills gets brought on to replace Somerset. So it's very possible that Somerset was really the only detective that they had at the time. So, it's, I mean, he could have known that he was going to get such an intelligent detective as Somerset. Yeah, and he actually, I mean, it's very possible. And he actually does say on the phone after uh, they find his apartment, I'm going to be changing my plans based on, you know, you find my apartment. So, yeah, I, you could see how he might have. Maybe he knew that Somerset was a cop. Maybe he knew about Somerset. But then he realizes he can use Mills, too. And so he kind of changes some things around at the last second. Like, I don't think he knew at that point he was going to cut off Tracy's head. But it, it all fit, fits into his plan at that point. Yeah, because he says, I'm going to be changing my, I forgot what he says, my timetable or my schedule. Uh, so obviously that had some effect on him. I don't think, they, I don't think he expected him, them to find his apartment exactly then. He knew they were going to find it eventually, but I don't think that he thought they were going to find it that that yeah, particular Sean's moment. Sean's out here and with me because um, I, I, I record in the garage so I can chain smoke, but he made the point um, 
I'll, I'll repeat it. He'll come over and say it. He says, I, sorry, I, I came out here to have a cigarette. And he says when he hit, after he hits him over the head with the crowbar, and then when he calls on the phone, he says, uh, I'm sorry, I hurt one of you. He didn't know either of them. He didn't know who they were. Yeah, that's, right. that's true. Which, which one, one he hurt. hit. Yeah, he knows he. Yeah, so he knows he whacked a young white guy in the head. So he doesn't even really know which whose name is who's who, yeah. who, and and what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, just that, you know, somebody had finally discovered and followed his clues, and I think he was a little bit pleased about that because then he could enact his plan fully. Um, I think that's important. So, any last thoughts on uh, seven before we move on? Before we're gonna do um. Our verses, Sean's shitty reviews, and then our reviews of the film. So, uh, any any last thoughts, Sean? You have anything? Oh, he's putting his earbuds on. Hold on, he'll edit this out. Sorry, okay, what was Dave. The... Uh, I was just so, asking if anybody had last thoughts before we moved on. Well, we're talking about uh, John Doe's um, sort of implacability, but there is one moment where he does kind of lose his cool in the back of the squad car on the drive to the the desert uh he's going on he's he's on his little it's almost like he had it prepared in his mind a little speech he was going to give about we see a deadly sin on every corner and uh uh mills interrupts him and says innocent you know oh, i thought she just killed innocent people he actually gets angry because he he, he started he shouts you know he says a woman a woman because he's being interrupted with his i think he interrupted his speech i think that's the one time you see behind his little veneer yeah, of just complete his, his cool that you're you've, you're interrupting my flow and also it offended his sensibilities to call any of these people innocent. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that little one moment of, of loss of control that he gets, but then he, re- he regains it right back. He gets it right back. He starts going on his little vibe again. You know, I, I like that scene. That's a great, that, it, that's it's, a great, it's so creepy. He's so it, sure of himself. And yeah, yeah which is, and, and, and that, that bland sheep's look, he, you know, Kevin's face, he's so good at getting on. His he's, he's so relaxed. He, he's, he's like, he says, you know, it's going to be remembered forever. And he's like relieved. He's like, ah, oh, it's going to be yeah, remembered. Yeah, I have this message. I'm studied. a messenger of God. And, and, and you know, people are going to puzzle and, and think about it. And at the end of the it. day, it's like, you think you're the first fucker who's ever killed people in the name of religion? You know, get in line. Uh-huh. Jesus Christ. Are we forgetting uh, about the crusade? Have you, have, you not, <laughs> have you not read any history? Anyway, that's What a, about the I holy wars that have been going on for like... We could go on for hours about years. just the religion part of this. They're still going on today. Uh, I always thought that was funny that he thinks that he's done this great. I've killed people in God's name. You know, <laughs> welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, um, you're not the first and you're not going to be the last, but he felt like he had a message to give to the world and he was so self-important about it. And you're just like, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I think about I think about that scene, you know, that when Kevin Spacey shows up at the police department and he's, you know, detectives, detectives, detectives. And and he's you know and he's covered in blood and he drops down to his knees you know and 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 he just smiles the whole fucking time yeah and he's he's just Look. so smug. You, you know I'm always happy when we can find an Arquette in a movie. <laughs> yes, the yes there is an Arquette in this film. <laughs> there is an Arquette. It's like twenty seven of them somewhere. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. so many Arquettes. So there's happy. so many Arquettes. They're like Osmonds. They're everywhere. I love yeah. you. <laughs> the Osmonds. <laughs> I love the Osmonds. My mom was uh, in love with Donny Osmond when she was a young teen. Oh, I love the variety show they had. The Osmond Family Donnie. Show. I love it so much. Um, 
but Donnie no, Elfman, no. he he was he was smoking. He he still is. Um, but he's still but a good looking guy. Yeah, he is. He and is. I like that he did. Um, um, I'll make a man out of you and and Mulan. Mulan, yes, which is my Mulan. shit right there. Mulan. I like this movie. Yes, but uh, Richmond Arquette is the delivery driver. Delivery driver. He delivers. Yes. He delivers the box and then he runs off. Yes, but he he is also in Zodiac, by the way. Oh, so he. That's what we're talking about. Another great David Fincher film. Yeah, yeah. he is in Zodiac One. Mm-hmm. He is Zodiac One in that movie. But yeah, he is an Arquette. An, an Arquette. Yeah, I love the Arquette. So many of them. Yeah, there are. Yes. Yes, there are. There'll be an Arcat connection in our verses if we're ready for that. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, around the world, around the world. ladies and gentlemen, Versus question comes from our friend Boomer, who does podcasts in the woods, who, bless his heart, just put out a three and a half hour episode uh, with me on it because you know how I talk and bless this man's heart. He let me do it. They actually did that podcast for five hours. Five hours. Wow. An hour hour talking beforehand, three and a half hours of, of podcast and then more talking after it was over. So, yeah, it was like five. We started at noon and it was like five when I stumbled into the house. It was like yeah, they did, they did Psycho whoa. Gorman and Night of the Creeps, which oh, was so no. fun because you know I'm so Mimi, but okay, Mimi, bye. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so our versus question was from Boomer, um, and it is Aaron from Your Next versus Sydney Prescott from the Scream franchise. Um, so it's Battle of the Final Girls tonight. Um, anybody would like to give their winners and why? Oh, let's let Joelle go first. Yeah, what do you think? Oh, um, you know, I love a final girl that's just like fed up with the whole situation and is just like, fuck it and just starts going off. Um, and I love the fact that Aaron uses so many different like things to, you know, hurt these like masked people. Like the what traps. does she use? Like a meat tenderizer and like a a blender or something. Yeah, the yeah, blender. Bl- the blender kill. And I mean, of course, Sydney's pretty much like one of the classic final girls. Um, but I I do appreciate the fact that I mean, how Aaron fights, to be honest. Um, oh, I don't know if I can pick a winner, but I think it, I'd be leaning a little bit toward Aaron, to be honest. Okay, so we've got one for Aaron. Does anybody want to go next or I can? You go ahead. Okay, um, I'm going to surprise people on this one. Uh, I really appreciate Aaron because she's she's a badass and she fights back. And I, I do appreciate like what Joelle said. But I have to give it to Sydney. She survived so many motherfuckers trying to kill her. And she may not have fought back like Aaron did. But, I mean, she's got the track record. Like, nobody can kill this bitch. And everybody knows that I don't like Sydney. 
Like in my Final Girl collection, the first palette I ever did was before Erica and I teamed up on Final Girl Cosmetics. Everybody was like, oh, you should do a Sydney color. I'm like, fuck, no, I'm not. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, I'm not putting Sydney in there. I'm just real sick of looking at her. Um, <laughs> I'm real sick of, like, why does everybody want to kill her? Like, what what's going on? Um, you know, and it just, and I got, it got so tenuous. Like, I, and everybody's like, well, she's the ultimate final girl because she survived so much shit. You know, so survived so many people trying to kill her. I'm like, but, like, it gets so tenuous as to why people want to kill her. And so rinse and repeat. But yet, I pick Sydney as the winner because she can survive literally anybody and anything. So I really think she would be Aaron's match if there was, a, you know, a match. So it would be Sydney for me. So, and I, I gotta, I gotta go with Candy on this. Um, Aaron is definitely a fucking badass. Uh, but Sydney has something that Aaron doesn't, and that's called plot armor. <laughs> and that shit's literally indestructible um she i i'm not a big fan of the scream franchise the first Neither twin, one of us are the we, first we one that the known. first one's okay the um, first one is enjoyable because we've got my girl rose mcgowan as tatum we've got my man matthew lillard as Stu. they get killed off in that first one though yeah, but I, I, I just, I, I think that, you know, throughout the Scream series, it's just the same, it's kind of the same thing Rinse over and, and over and over. Um, but yeah, she's got plot armor. She's unkillable. So I think Sydney would win this. <laughs> she survived getting gut shot in a new Scream. Spoilers. And they just gave her a blanket and some coffee and she was fine. Yeah, that's like, all right. You're going to die of sepsis right? real quick. Oh, that's got to be really good coffee, but still. Yeah. But it's got to be that gourmet shit. It's like that match with that gourmet shit. That from gourmet shit. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's more of like the, the coffee that you get in a video game that restores health, like the pizza in the street kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. trope. Yeah. I haven't seen the new Scream and I want to. Thank you for the spoiler. Oh, oh fuck. God. I already thought I thought everybody saw it on our show. Oh my god. They didn't like the Scream franchise, so it's taken. We don't like it either, but we had to watch uh, it to do the show. When we did that episode, I was so re- I thought I was gonna be the only person who didn't care for it. I was so relieved. Well, no, you're talking yeah. about the original. Yeah, well, even the original, which is fine, but it, I was afraid I was gonna be the only one not giving it a 10. Well, we were talking about the For new me, I'm just- like, Wes Craven, do more Freddy. Don't do this. But okay. Yeah. Anyway. The first one's okay. Anyway, anyway. I actually kind of like the new one. It, I mean, as far as like considering the franchise, the franchise is ass, but the new one was decent. But um, so I, you know, when we're talking about Aaron versus Sydney, so Sydney could use like, you know, the computer and type 911 and then like, you know, boom, 911's immediately responding. And I didn't get that from, Magic. from the dial up. That was some dial-up bullshit back in the day. Ninety-six like, shit. What was the fuck, Sydney? Um, you got people climbing in out of your window and folks dying in the in the cat door. Bullshit. Um, I love Tatum. R.I.P. I know Tatum. Um, I love Tatum. But um, I think on like survivalist skills and people that were taught how to fight and fight back. Um, I got to give it to Aaron uh, in, in that in that duel. Like Sydney, I mean, I agree with with uh, Sean on the whole like 
<laughs> boom, plot point. Um, plot <laughs> armor. Um, but reason to make uh, another movie. Yeah, I think I think somehow Aaron's gonna come out on top on that one. All right, that's two and two, Dave. Yeah, Dave, you're gonna tiebreaker. be a tiebreaker. I'm going with Aaron, but only because uh, Sydney shouldn't have been the final girl in that first movie. Anyway, we all know who it should have been. Tatum. It should have been Tatum. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I can't give it to Rose Sydney. Rose McGowan no is matter, my no girl. Who, like she is my opponent. Yeah, she's in my it, wife category and my yeah, hero. That whole, yeah, that whole bullshit death in the garage door just pissed me off. That's yeah. just, Please don't kill yeah. me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. Like she um, was sassy. Yeah, and, and also uh, think about um, who plays it. What's her name again? Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. I can't. I, I was forced in my first marriage to watch Party of Five. Oh, oh no! And, I'm so sorry. I, That's I why it was cannot, your first marriage. I have PTSD from that fucking show. That show was ass. No, I can't show. get past. I can't get past her for that. I know it's not I her fault. I can't like <laughs> Nev Campbell. I just try and I can't. Nev, if you're listening, it's not your fault, but. No, it's not. It's I not love her fault. She, she was trying oh with what she God. was given. She really was doing the damn thing. But I love Party of Five. See, I'm going with Aaron. Oh but gosh, no. Any- well, Ugh. Boomer's going to be excited. Yeah, he, he, he loves he, your next. So, and um, when I I pulled on Instagram, um, everybody was voting for Aaron. So yeah. Aaron yeah. clearly I get won. it. I get it. I that was a good movie, though. You know that very much. That was a WWE. Robert Crampton was in it, so of course yeah, that was, was a great. WWE production that very much surprised me when I saw it. Yeah, I mean, it it became an instant classic, mm-hmm. and it, it you know it's for a neo slasher. It's it's good. Yeah, well, not all Robert neo Crampton, slashers right? are. Because yeah, what right? brought about the neo slasher era was Scream, and yeah. yep. I'm I like the first one ish. I played the game of life while we watched the third one. The game of life. Yeah, the board game. I, know, I remember the theme game song. I remember the theme they, song. They quickly go downhill. They do. Yeah, everybody's like, "Oh, Scream Two is great." I'm like, "Fuck you." That's all right. That's not. It's horrible. That's all right. But we're a bunch of Scream haters around here. Now, the people that do love Scream are not here tonight. To be fair, yeah. Nico and Erica, we miss you. Although Erica is on team anti-scream as well. But, well, uh, since we're talking about Scream, can we do Sean's shitty reviews? It is time for Sean's shitty reviews. Let's do it, Crystal. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> no, that's my favorite one so far. <laughs> that, that one's good. I like it. So, real quick before we do this, um, looking at the Rotten Tomato scores, uh, the critics gave seven eighty-two percent certified fresh. Um, this was Siskel and Ebert both really liked this. They gave it a three point five out of four. Because it's which, a it's psychological, which course. is was mind blowing. Uh, audience <laughs> score for this ninety five percent. Wow, did you have a hard time finding some crappy reviews? Never, I, I did not. He no, never the internet, does. The internet is always there. I Especially if people love it. There's going to be a lot of people that fucking hate it. We know that as at this point, you know. And I'm saving the longest for last. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Sounds like a punchline to a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dicks are boring. 
Yeah, yeah, four cocks. As boring as four cocks. That was, yeah, that was, was the like, review last week. What? No. I, I can't even, I don't want to think about it anymore. So our, our first one comes from Jewel. Uh, she says, this movie is doo-doo as hell. <laughs> so she's doo-doo, three. Doo-doo, you can't even say shit? Like, come on. a three-year-old read a review. It's our, doo-doo. Our next, uh, our next review, uh, the most idiotic movie in the history of mankind There is no plot in this movie. Mutually exclusive directing. The most asshole twist in the history of cinema. Wow. (laughs) Asshole twist. Yeah. No plot. Also a joke I could make, but. Uh, Our next next one comes from uh, Ya Boy Chips Ahoy. He says, I was too scared to watch. That's it. That's the review. Um. (laughs) Well, Why a, would you even write a review if you didn't idea, watch right? the fucking movie? Uh, next one comes from Hera. Stupid ass movie. Godless. Bad acting. And Godless. No, and no shirtless Brad Pitt. So what even is the point? Um, There is yeah. a shirtless Brad Pitt. Excuse me. That was uh, a youth minister. Next one comes from Sir Mordred. First time watching it. Easily the worst film I've ever seen. He's not seen Hard Rock Zombies. Uh or Blood Feast. <laughs> Derek Matzek says, Silence of the Lambs for Edge Lords. <laughs> oh. Edge Lords. Um, so my last, the last two I have are the longer ones, um, and I got these off IMDb. Um, Andre Pavlov gives it a one star. And he says, uh, seven out of ten? Not on my scale. I choose one. Why? Because it's sick and perverted. Neither entertaining nor clever, neither beautiful nor comfortably ugly, just oppressive. It's got very unpleasant atmosphere and imagery. Who are these movies made for? They are disgusting. When you watch this, you feel as if you were bathing in manure. Is it so? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Since what you made you laugh like that. Is it supposed to be the development of cinema? And taste of the audience since Chaplin movies, I'd rather keep with the old Chaplin ones. How the fuck does Chaplin come into this? This like yeah, bathing I mean, in don't manure. Bring Charlie into this. No, he, this has nothing to do with him at and all. Last but not least, uh, this is from Max Eight Five Zero One Star. Another example of American violence porn. So we already know where this is going. Okay, here we go. Self-righteous motherfucker. This movie is almost unwatchable because of the pornographic use of violence. There are filmmakers who use violence sparingly when necessary, and then there are ones who wallow in it like porn. This is an example of the gratuitous use of violence. The studios know that Americans and lots of foreign markets like Southeast Asia love violence for its own sake, so they dish it up because it sells. It sells better than sex. Religious zealots will let their kids watch violence while insisting that they avoid sex. So these kinds of movies get elevated to academy stature. It's symptomatic of the American psyche. We would rather let our kids kill someone than have too much sex. Um, what? Hold on. Okay, that's overstated, but you get the point. Quentin Tarantino is one of the most famous violence porn producers. David Fincher is talented, but I can just imagine him and Quentin masturbating to graphic violence. They need it to get off. Um, and that's that's been your PSA for the day. 
I feel wow. like there's a one night in Bangkok joke that we should make there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is like, I mean, there is a little grain of truth in that because we talked about that on a some past episode where, um, the you know, we were talking about comics. Uh, I'm sure I was talking about Tales from the Crypt or something. But, you know, they'll, and, and it, I quoted Mark Hamill for, you know, when he was making a comic. They're like, they'd rather see you slice up a woman's breast, but they won't let you show you them touching a woman's breast. Like, in a sexual way. <laughs> so there is a grain of truth to that. But clearly, this motherfucker who wrote this has never seen a horror movie. You know? And while I had billed this as a horror business episode, I realized it's scary enough that it it I'm not making it horror business. It's just a regular episode for us. Yeah. yeah. Because this is a psychological horror movie and it's scarier and I and I really do see the seed well I I might as well just give my review. Okay. Since we're there. <laughs> so a child walk by. Okay. I give this film a, a non surprising score. Uh especially for me. 10 out of 10 Richard Roundtrees, who we didn't mention. You we know. did not mention Richard Roundtree. Fucking love Richard Roundtree. Great Richard Roundtree. Richard Roundtree is the man. But uh, I give it 10 out of 10 Richard Roundtrees. And, um, you know, uh, this film, it, it definitely crosses over into horror. Where it's it's not just like our psychological thriller or horror in the vein of Silence of the Lambs. It goes one step further to really actually make it a horror movie. And I think without this film, um, like Crystal and I both said, you know, we would not have Saw. It really laid those seeds for for things like Saw and, and what would later become called torture porn. Um, you know, with Hostel and, and, and the, you know, going on from there. Because we talked about that in Hostel. But, um, and, um, you know, we have yet to do Saw, but that's, I'm going to fix that. I think we did Saw and we lost it in yeah. our hard drive fail. Yeah, we so we have to redo Saw, but we have done Saw. We will do it again, listeners. Um, we lost like 15 episodes. But anyway, um. Yeah, so I think that without this film, we would not have Saw. And David Fincher is known for being, if you want to be that way, and I'm using air quotes here, listeners, uh, edgelord. Um, he makes these these uh, edgy movies that people still talk about today. I mean, he he's known for this kind of shit. And he's really, really good at it. And, um, you know, Brad Pitt himself said that this is, he considers us the most perfect film he's ever made. Yeah. Now, while he considered, uh, he considers his role as Tyler Durden in Fight Club his favorite role. This is his favorite film that he's ever done, and he considers it perfect. And if it's good enough for Brad Pitt, it's good enough for me. But um, yeah, I mean, just seeing this movie, seeing it in theaters, and then later on just watching it um, so many times on VHS and later on DVD and Blu-ray and whatever. Like, I'm never tired of it. It's, you know, I wanted so bad to watch it with commentary today, but I was like, no, I want to get sucked into the atmosphere. I want to be there. I want to experience it and just be in the movie uh, world without, because when you do commentary, you're just, you're not, can't get sucked into the atmosphere of this film. And I think that that's a really, it's so good at it. 
and and I think all David Fincher films are, but this one is really the best. You know, um, just everything about it. The the acting is phenomenal. The casting choices, even though there were some famous turndowns for the role, Denzel Washington turned down Mills, and he later regretted it. But I think that led to him doing Training Day, uh, which won him an Oscar. Um, so, you know, things happen for a reason. And it's hard for me to see Denzel in the role, but I guess I could because Denzel can do anything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but I, I really think it, it led, you know, his regret... Once he saw the movie, he was like, oh, shit, I should have taken that role. But I really think it led to him taking Training Day. So this led to a lot of things, but in itself, we're still talking about it. It's still really, really important. It's important more so in the horror world, like I said. So I couldn't give it anything other than a perfect score. 10 out of 10 Richard Roundtrees. Okay, and I'll go real quick, um, and I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 Arlie Ermy Eyebrows. I still can't get over those. Um, I love him. They're so bushy and glorious. <laughs> glorious. They're they're like Tom that. Atkins' mustache, you know. They deserve yeah. they deserve billing of their own. Yeah. <laughs> Early, earlier, left earlier. eyebrow, right eyebrow. Yeah. So with 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 uh, David Fincher films, like they're on like kind of a rotating top three for me. Like I think Fight Club will always be number one for me. I absolutely adore that film. I had a feeling. But it, it it bounces around between this and Zodiac, um, which one takes the number two spot. And, you know, that's just like with all of our other top ten films. It depends on what fucking mood I'm in. Yeah, you know, it changes all the time. Um, but, th no, this movie is absolutely fantastic. It, 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 I still get that creepy feeling every time I watch it, mm -hmm. you know. And it's, and it's just the great acting and the cinematography – the directing, the score. I mean, everything about this movie is just so great. It's so well done. Um, and it it will continue to create great conversations, you know. And every time I've ever talked about this film, whether it be on a podcast or just amongst friends, like we have some really great conversations because people always point out stuff that I never thought about. And that's what I love about having these conversations is because, you know, you get with like-minded people and they start pointing out things that, like, you hadn't even really considered, you know, and you get different perspectives. You know, we all watch the same film, but we all see something completely different. And, uh, and we all I, have something to offer up, you know, yeah. that's unique here. Yeah, I love it. And and David Fincher was – I meant to say this earlier when I was talking about Rob Bottin – he said that, that Rob Bottin is a major fucking genius, which he which is. Which we know. Yeah, as, because as, of all this. He comes up on the show so much, you might as well star. Yeah, yeah. Him and, and Tom uh, <laughs> One of the other things I found fascinating, it was another one of the extras. Um, they showed all of the crime scene photos um, and all the photos that uh, uh, John Doe had taken that he had hanging up in his in his apartment, and as they're flashing through him, it was the director of photography for the film was talking, was giving commentary over it, and talked about all the time he spent like pouring over actual real life crime scene photos, and so when they would build these sets, then he would go in and he would take crime scene photos so that they could use them in the film, and you know it's just. I, that's what I love about talking about these films is you hear like all of the the details, 
you know, like all the steps that they take, you know, the hours that they spent pouring over. It's like when we talk about Tom Savini and all the time he spent, you know, in Vietnam photographing these dead bodies and then using that to, you know, perfect his work. You know, all of the little details, you know, or the people who, you know, you have to do a a burn victim. So you study like actual burn victims so that you get it right and you get it perfect and the amount of work and effort that goes into it. And it just it's so fucking awesome. And I really wanted to watch the uh, the listen to the commentary um, on the DVD commentaries on the Blu-ray. And and I didn't get a chance to, but I definitely want to revisit that and and uh, hear what they have to say. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give this 10 out of 10 Arlie Ermey eyebrows. All right, who would like to go next? Joel? Sure. Um, I'm also going to give it uh, 10 out of 10 cut-off fingertips. Um, Perfect. <laughs> there's honestly, I w- actually thought about it, and there's nothing that I can find that's wrong with this movie. It's, I mean, it's perfect or close to perfect, um, you know, the there was just so much thought that went into it and you don't really know what to expect like I certainly did not expect them to actually be knocking on John Doe's door and then for him to show up and start this whole chase scene um and the planning that they gave John Doe for how he wanted them to find the next victim is just it's genius to be honest Um, and one thing that I was reading is that they purposely, they wanted to show John Doe, like in his lab, like doing things, but of course you wouldn't see his face yet. Um, but then they, they decided against it because they really wanted us to see John Doe from the perspective of the police for the entire movie, um, which was great, um, because you really just have no idea who this guy is. And on top of that, Kevin Spacey, along with some of the other cast, agreed that they didn't want Spacey's name or picture featured in any of the posters or the ads or even in the, I think, the, the title credits because they knew people would think he was the killer and they would just know from the get-go and it would just give it all away which was a fantastic idea and I'm glad that they didn't end up doing that um but yeah I'd give it 10 out of 10 cut off fingertips perfect awesome all right um Crystal doesn't let's hear what Crystal has to say she doesn't look very happy okay Dave you might want to save her for the last uh, I'm going I, I hate to Go along with the crowd, but I'm giving it 10 out of 10 uh, paper pine tree air fresheners. <laughs> I, I absolutely adore this movie, and I love David Fincher. And while we were sitting here talking, I was just looking at his body of work. It's a game, Panic Room. You know, some of the movies that people mm-hmm. don't, you know, think about so much. Zodiac we talked about. Um, uh, well, Benjamin Button, but you can take that movie and shove it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like Benjamin Button. Gone Girl, Mindhunter. Um, but the... Th- Thing about this movie and in the, re- the the shitty reviews you were reading, the guy was talking about how violent it is. This movie is not that violent. No. There's not no. a lot of actual violence. 
there's a lot of uh, violent imagery and there's some after effects of violence. And it there's made me applied. think when we covered Halloween, we were talking about that. It's actually people will talk about the people who haven't seen it in a while. will talk about Halloween by how violent it was. It's hardly violence at all. There's no blood. There's very little, you know, actual violence, a little, but I, I think that's the genius of a good director, John Carpenter and, and, and David Fincher in this case, is the, it, it stick, after you leave the film, the movie theater, you think you've seen more violence than you actually saw. Right. Well, he, gets, he, he gets in your head. Look at, look at tex, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The word, yes, it's a, the, right. word, the word grisly is used, you know, when they describe that film and it's and like, you watch really it, anything. there's, there's yeah. no blood. There's like barely a drop of blood in that whole thing. Right. And Which we all gave a, that a perfect score. And that was a whole fucking bunch of perfect us too. Movie. I think there was like 10 That's of It's a terrifying movie. And so is this, I, I love this movie beyond all measure. I always have. I love, I love Brad Pitt's character. He's like a puppy dog. He's all anxious and ready to go. And he says some dorky shit. That's why I picked the line about the Yoda line, because it shows like he's such a child of like modern cinema. He's, that's what he came up with. Like he didn't say, you know, because he has a library card, it makes him Socrates or, or he says Yoda. Yoda. That's what he comes yeah. up with. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's what makes his eventual devastation at the end so even more He's almost innocent at the beginning, and by the end, he's the victim of this much greater intellect than his. It, it makes it so much more crushing. Yeah, and I, I, I could go on. I, I love this movie very much. Um, it was a pleasure to revisit it, and yeah, ten out of ten. Yeah, for me, forever for this movie. Awesome. Okay, all right, Crystal. Let's Crystal, let us let's all have down. You be the wet blanket. You guys are peer pressuring me. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you you have never given anything a ten, so I'm I'm already expecting you to to not let this make the list. So it's okay. Well, I still love you. <laughs> I I want to give it a ten. It's just the want is there. <laughs> well, that's good. The want is there. The do is not. Um, <laughs> the, the want is there. I, I just think there's a couple things they could have done to, yeah, just a little, just a little different. Um, I, I think that it's a great movie. Um, but I, I have to say, like my favorite David Fincher thing he's ever done has got to be Jamie's Got a Gun. Uh, that music video is like my favorite. Um, God, you're taking me back to like fucking God. I think I might've been in grade school. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, we talked at the beginning about how, um, like you thought the head was in the box or it was like kind of a Mandela effect. I wish they would have shown the head in the box. Um, nah. or, or, you know, something, That's right. They, the other thing that I thought that could have made this a 10 for me, when you see Mills at the end and he he commits and he, he shoots John Doe, he's still pulling up this gun and he's still fighting with the gun. What's stopping him from ending it for himself? At this point, he has nothing to live for. He knows what's going to happen to him if he doesn't end himself. You know, this movie was controversial. This movie was shocking at the time. What stopped his character from going all the way? You know, I think that could have been the 10 out of 10 for me. 
But you also have to think, I didn't see this movie from the beginning to the end. I didn't see this all the way until a couple days ago. So I didn't see this back in the day or even earlier. So like Dave says all the time, I can't give something a 10 when it's the first time I've seen something. No. This movie was great. I'll give it a 9.9. See, and all I have to do is edit her out, and this is a perfect film. It is. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we're never gonna have one. Our our list is short because there's so many of us. Because to get it on the list, everybody has to give it a ten. But I feel like we're never gonna have another addition to that club. I think we will have a ten. This I really think had he offed himself because I was kind of scooting to the edge of the couch as I was watching it because I thought I had seen the complete ending, and I had not. So as he's pulling, like when you rewatch, he starts pulling this gun up. I really thought he was going to shoot himself. And I'm like sitting on the edge and I'm like, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he doesn't. And then it shoots to him in the back of the, the police car. And I'm like, you knew what was going to happen. Somerset's yelling at you. Like, you know, the whole time, drop your gun, drop your gun. Don't do it. This is what he wants. This is what he wants. You know? don't do this. Don't become Ralph and you, you shoot him. Yeah. He wouldn't have seen you off yourself, but you wouldn't have spent, you know, if you're convicted or, you know, whatever, whatever your sentence is going to be behind bars, you've lost your career, you've lost your wife, you know, your unborn child, that kind of thing. You know, you, you literally have lost everything. At yeah. This but I, I think that, I think that he's like Dave said, you know, he's, there's almost an innocence about him. And so I think that this whole thing has, dumb, has, has dumbfounded him. And I think that at the, at the ending, I think he's still so confused that he doesn't oh. really know what what's taken place at this point. And right. then you got to keep in he mind still the has original to pro- He's still ending, processing it. He's the original ending was supposed to be with him shooting John Doe and that fade to black, we're, we're done. Mm-hmm. Right. I would have liked that better, but I still... I might have liked that better. Yes, I might have liked that a lot better. That probably but it didn't test well with audiences, and that's, that was their concession to New Line for keeping the head in the box. But the the hot-headedness you mentioned, the hot-headedness could have been the, the spur for him to just shoot. He's so hot-headed in that moment. Boom, boom. You know, I think that could have been, it, it kind of let me down right there. And I want to say that that's probably the only part of this movie that kind of let me down. Cause I was thinking where it was going. Cause there was a part in this movie where I was like trying to figure it out. And I was like, you know, I, I know there's something in a box later on, but is Morgan Freeman's character connected to the box? So at a one point I was thinking, well, is Morgan Freeman's character involved in this? So then when it, it came to the end, I'm like, what the hell? You know, and then this whole, you know, end scene transpired and I'm like, mm, this didn't sit kind of, you know, this isn't the ending I kind of wanted. Well, I mean, I gotta be honest, every time I watch it, I always think like I would just fucking turn the gun on myself. Right. I think it kind of just leads up to... And I'm not a suicidal person, but I love my kids, and I love my spouse, 
And I would just think of that. That's where I would go. It's just like, I'm fucking done. I can't, I can't live like this. Right. And you got to think of all the gruesome stuff they've seen in the last seven days. They, they've only seen all of this in seven days. You know, all that takes a toll on your psyche. So for me, I mean, peer pressure. Yeah, sure. If you want to put it in there, 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> no, no, it has to well, be. Well, now genuine. it doesn't feel right. Yeah, it has you to know, be genuine. I, I mean, this is, this is, you know, it's real close. And, and, I, and I say that in all truthfulness, like nine, 9.9 out of 10. It's real close. It's just the ending. There's something about it that just doesn't sit all the way right with me. There's something, I, like I feel like could have just twisted just a little more for me, just, just a little more, you know, um, but, uh, like 9.9 .9 out of 10, Morgan Freeman switchblades. Switchblades. Yeah, him throwing that switchblade is pretty bad. Yeah, man, yeah. He, he was awesome, but he, this was a great movie. Um, and I, and I'm glad I got to watch it from the beginning to all the way to the end. Um, you know, it's it, a ride. it was great. And for Brad Pitt's next movie from this to be 12 Monkeys, he went from filming this straight into filming 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys, the, the one movie possibly where he was actually sort of unattractive. Right, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's funny too, I, Brad Pitt. I told Candy too, I'm like, you see some of those mannerisms that he that he uses yeah, later the, on the, in, the 12, hand, the, the, in 12 Monkeys. Yeah, I love it, I love it. That was in, in my film class uh, in college, that was one of the films that we had to watch. Yeah, monkeys. that's an overlooked gem. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's Terry Gilliam loves 12 mm -hmm. monkeys. It's kind it's of never a gotten fact. a fair shake. No, it's, it's a fact. Hollywood does not understand him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we almost had we almost made it. I almost. mean, I said 10 out of 10, so like you can put that. well, yeah, but you didn't yeah. mean it, so it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I did not mean it. It's like <laughs> you have to commit. Yeah, yeah. If you don't no, commit, I, I feel like I'm rolling in manure. So I'm yeah, sorry. you know, we're bathing in manure. I mean, I, <laughs> I wish I could ten out of ten it, and I wanted to peer pressure and feel the ten out of ten. But, but if you don't feel it, it, doesn't count, and that's okay. Nobody's mad at you. I just like to give you shit because I do. Yeah, I know you guys like to give me shit. There no, will I, be a I, ten out of ten. I, that's how you know I, know I love you because I give you shit. I, I only do that to people I love. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I see some stuff on the schedule. I'm excited about that. Probably will get a ten out of a ten out of ten on me. I, I am I, eager to find I, out what it is. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm eager to find out because, who you? I mean, I thought Erica was our harshest critic, but you, you, you're actually <laughs> like the harder on judge. films than Erica. <laughs> and I'm always the one who's generous. Like you get a ten, everybody gets a ten. <laughs> Look under your seats. Ten. <laughs> and I'm Please. like, oh, look under there. No. Got a roach. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this has been a, a really great conversation, and I'm I'm glad we got to discuss this movie. Um, it's it was really really fun. Uh, so we'll go ahead and do plugs. Joel, you're the guest. Uh, where can we find you? Uh, anything to to share with listeners? Um, yeah. So you can find me. Um, on Instagram, my tag is Pop Shop. Um, it's basically for my Etsy shop, and I make a ton of awesome horror and Halloween stuff. Um, so I feel free to look it. me up. <laughs> she does. She's been 
very supportive of my my shop and I'm forever grateful to Candy. Well, same goes, same goes. You've been really great to Erica and I's uh, venture with uh, Final Girl Cosmetics and uh, we want to team up with you on a on a big project soon because Final Girl Cosmetics is officially launching on our own site. It's so exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. We already have like this really cool thing planned, but uh, that'll come out very soon. As soon as our certificates get fixed and all that. I don't know. Erica's our web person. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I know how to plug things in and rudimentarily work mouse. I do everything on my phone. Anyway, uh, plugs. Uh, Dave. Right here at the House of Screams, and that's about it. We're, done, we're doing a couple. We're doing um, the two of us together doing on Ken Sledge's uh, coming up. I don't, the 13th, Ooh. I think we're going to record. Yeah. Is that Exciting. my first horror movie? Is that what yeah, you yeah. Um, nice. I, I don't know if we're it's, doing anything. Really well, I'm going, you, you did Night, right? You did Night, Candy? Oh, Night was my first. My mom and, at six and years Sean, old, she you was did like, you're going to watch Rager, this movie. Right? Yeah. You're right. So I'm going to do Dawn, even though it's not my first horror movie, but it's really the first movie that really sort of solidified my horror. And well, you're I doing... Mean, that's why I did Night, because uh, it wasn't my first horror movie, but it was my first yeah. fan, you know, like and, obsessed. And, and you're going to go with? I'm doing the first movie that scared the shit out of me. Which is? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Which is? <laughs> nice. That'll be a nice change on his channel, because everybody else Which is, is like, a scary fucking it movie. Really is. Look at it the right way. It so really Strange is. Little Masker or whatever. Uh, yeah. uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, so that's going to be fun. But yeah, right here at the House of Screams. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you, Joel, for showing up. Appreciate Sorry, it. My internet connection is fucking weird tonight. And yeah, it's always fun. I've frozen always fun like 10 about. times. It's always fun to talk about any movie, but a movie like this that I love so much is just so great to bounce it off. Well, you know how, like, like, if you just pan up a little bit, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I've got so much Dawn it. I actually have the doll of uh, Flyboy, and you know Flyboy is my next tattoo. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. You know, that, Dawn of the Dead me is and the... Dawn are like... You Dawn know. of the Dead was my first episode here. That was why... Well, I... And I said, well, I know the perfect guy to do it. And because um, we had an opening on the show and I said, yeah. I know the perfect guy to pull in. And you were so nervous. I said, you're going to be fine. And look at you. Look at you go. Look at me now. Well, actually, go, don't, girl. Don't, don't look at me now. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So take a look at me now. Oh, Get out of here with that, Get out your light with that song. Yeah. I hate that fucking song. Crystal, where can we find you? Anywhere you find Dave. You can That's, find me. I always him. love that answer. It's so Fucking That's cute. So Sean would cute. never that say that. Sweet. He's like as far away from this bitch as possible. <laughs> no, we, we like to wear the same shirt sometimes, two head holes. Okay, yeah, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. kind of weird. We would never do that. <laughs> but you guys aren't married, so there's a difference. No. <laughs> no. You have not procreated together. There's a difference. No, yeah. we have not procreated together. You have not raised children together. Never, that never that does something to no you cat. where you're like, Okay, I love you, but get the fuck out of my face for a while. <laughs> I would never say something like that. No, because, you know, I'd fucking kill you. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't kill you. I just maim you. I'm not a yeah. killer. Fucking the misery. She'd misery your ankles. Yeah, just hobble me. No, I'd misery him, like, in the book. In the book? Actually yeah. hobble him. <laughs> oh, wasn't it oh. an electric meat carver? Wasn't it an electric meat Yeah, with knife? the fucking betadine on it. Yeah. Oh, at least she put baby on. Yeah, I mean she was a I, nurse. 
And she, she was. She killed a lot of kids. And right before she does it, I love you. Oh, baby, yeah. I love you. Don't say it like that. Oh, who doesn't love Annie Wilkes though? I mean, you love her because she's so fucking evil and crazy. Right. I've worked with some nurses that reminded me of her. <laughs> oh, that's scary. That's um, actually funny. They have, yeah, they were scary. They were scary. <laughs> I've met some scary nurses. If that helps, mm -hmm. where I there's felt some... like they were going to Annie Wilkes me. Yeah, there's some out there. <laughs> um. Yeah. Sean and Doug, where can we find you? I know where to find you. You're in the living room, but you know other people don't. What's in the box? You can you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean and the Dead. Um, thank you, Joelle, for joining us. Hope to have you back. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Awesome. And I saved myself for last because I have a million plugs. Uh, I try to keep it short and sweet um, these days. I have a link tree with all the links to uh, stuff like the House That Scream store. We have shirts of so many designs, including crystals, uh, artwork, um, and on a couple. Because I even made a Sean Shady Review shirt, and it's really awesome um, with your artwork. Because when you sent that to me, I had I had a good belly laugh. I loved mm -hmm. it. I immediately sent it to Sean, like, oh, my fucking God, look at this. Um and there's like the Final Girl cosmetic shirt. There's even a Candy the Final Girl shirt, if you're so inclined. Um, since I'm the mouth and the face of the show, um, that's scary. That's, that shows you how scary we are. Um, but yeah, Linktree slash Candy the Final Girl. You're going to find all of our links. Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram's at Candy Funnel Girl. Twitter is at House underscore Screams. My actual personal Twitter is Final Girl Candy, and I have very few followers. We have over 4,000 on our regular account, uh, and I'm usually there. So that's why you'll see random Hello Kitty shit, uh, because it's me. It's it's not everybody else. It's me. I'm the Hello Kitty lover around here. but Because, um, you know, I'm like the pastel goth. I like cute stuff, and I like scary stuff, and I like them when they're together, especially... Like, I have that Hello Kitty headband with all the... But it's, like, Jason and Chucky in a ring. You've seen me wear it a million times. Anyway, um, also, Final Girl Cosmetics, which Erica, I usually let her plug. She doesn't have 8,000 plugs like I do. Um, we are getting ready to relaunch. So, our Etsy store does not exist anymore right now. Um, but... Uh, that's going to be very, very soon. Hopefully, we'll be out by the time you hear this episode... Um, we're just waiting for a couple things to clear. Um, paperwork is filed. We are trademarked. We are all the things. Yeah, we're, we're a real thing. And, um, we're all in and we fund this out of our pocket. So in that link tree, you're going to find where you can support the house that screams on anchor for as low as 99 cents a month. That helps us, uh, pay for our fucking zoom and all the other things like that. And also when you, you buy our shirts and things like that. But uh, you can also support Final Girl Cosmetics in there. So I guess I'll just stop there. But there's a lot of things. My link tree is long. And right now it's currently got the background of Frankenhooker. Because I just felt very Frankenhooker right now. There's that badass shirt I got in Jersey at Monster Mania. That was the coolest fucking shirt I've ever seen. My Frankenhooker shirt where I, I use the matching hair extensions in the purple and blue. But yeah, Frankenhooker. So, uh, yeah, missing Nico, missing Erica tonight. But uh, really, really glad that Joelle could finally join us. And she will be back this season. So, Yay. 
so yes. glad to, to have had you, you guys on this so much discussion you know thank you yeah so thank you and at that everybody have a good night um thank you for joining us and talking and it's always so fun and uh enjoyable and glad we got to dig deep on this one because usually it feels like we never get enough time with right. so many of us so, you know but anyway everybody have a good night and i love you all right Can take I it know. easy guys Thank you.